0: Oh, well, finally, finally a verse we can enjoy, right? Getting a little excited about. Um, I mean, this Sermon on the Mount, we've been in there a few weeks. It's been a little rough on on all of us, but do not judge. I mean, the part about the pigs and the dog, that's just weird. Um, But do not judge. Like, we love that verse, don't we? I mean, honestly, anymore, if you think about it, like the only sin left in our culture is the sin of telling someone else that they're sinning, right? I mean, that's that's it. You can do almost anything as long as you don't think or say that someone is, is in the wrong. And yes, of course, uh, we Christians are accused of being judgmental. Um, anybody wanna take a guess at why that is? It's because we're judgmental, right? Uh, we, we've earned that criticism. Of course, of course we're judgmental. But let me, let me just tell you, and I, I, you know, I don't wanna minimize that, right? And we're gonna, we're gonna talk quite a bit about that because we as Christians, uh, in many ways, we have blown it because we are angry and self-righteous and hypocritical lots, right? Um, But at the same time, though, let's just pause for a second. Like, have you ever met a person who's not judgmental? They don't exist, right? There is not a human being on the planet who doesn't find someone to look, even the person who's like, you know, we just can't judge others and Christians, man, they're so judgmental. Those are judgmental statements, right? I mean, even the most live and let live kind of person still looks down their nose at those who look down their nose at others, right? All of us do it. Liberals judge conservatives. Conservatives judge liberals. Rich and poor, young and old, men and and women. I mean, right? Everybody. And yes, Christians judge secularists. Secularists judge Christians. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. Uh, Certainly not going to minimize it or try to water it down. Uh, but yes, Christians are judgmental. I, I am judgmental. But it's not because I'm a Christian. It's because I'm a sinful human. And every human, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like second nature, right? In, in our brokenness, we so easily find and gravitate towards and jump on, right? anybody that we can either sort of look down at shaking our head, right? Or look up at shaking our fist. We're judgmental people. And of course, we know that this will destroy us. Right? I mean, I think we do, right? Or at least destroy, destroy community. And so, so, yes, Jesus speaks into this. But here, here's where it gets tricky. Because what, what we think is the solution, right? Judge not. We, we think that as somehow this other extreme of never recognizing right or wrong in anyone ever, right? No accountability, no, no sort of ability to, to speak in to other stuff. And so we, we go towards either just complete passivity uh, or downright stupidity. I mean, Jesus isn't saying that we ignore sin or the failures of others because that will also destroy us and destroy community. We need accountability as humans with one another. I mean, even for example, here's uh, what one writer um, says here. Says, no community can exist for long where nobody is ever held accountable. No teacher would grade a student's performance. No citizen would sit on a jury or call a failed leader to account. And when you come to think of it, some, nobody would ever forgive anyone for wrongs he had done because we only forgive people for what we blame them, and we only blame them after we have judged them. you you see that? Without without some sort of accountability, some sort of of appropriate judgment, community falls apart. I mean, sure, you you can't live a judgmental life. It It will destroy you, but you cannot deny right and wrong and accountability either. But man, there's a fine line, isn't it? And We're lousy at it because we waffle back and forth between both of these extremes. All of us do. And so we need Jesus to speak into it. We need him to show us how, how do we judge without being judgmental? What, is it, what does it look like for us to, to appropriately, graciously judge without actually being judgmental? Because we're, again, we're, we're lousy at both. All right, so let's, let's pause, though, for a second, because if you're, if you're new here, like, why are we talking about this? This is kind of our thing. Um, we're in the middle of a series. We're studying the, the gospel of Matthew. We've been in here for a couple of months. Uh, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most famous sermon. It's right early on, Matthew chapter uh, 5 through uh, 7. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, 5 through 7. We're towards the end of it. We've got a couple weeks left in the Sermon on the Mount. But over and over, Jesus keeps throwing everything upside down for us, Right, all of our expectations of the good life and the good person, and over and over, he raises the bar. That's why, frankly, these have been hard Sundays for all of us, right? Because he keeps raising the bar. This is what it looks like to be a good person and to live a good life. But Jesus is brilliant. He knows human nature. He knows that just as soon as, as he raises the bar, we're going to start thinking we can do it. That, that we can actually meet that bar, and then once we get there, we'll start looking down on, on everybody else. Makes sense, frankly, where Jesus is at in this point of his sermon. Um, But at the same time, right, he understands the tension because he's actually calling us to a better life. He's calling us, he expects us to live out what he keeps telling us here in this ancient sermon. He expects us to live it. So we can't be judgmental, but we can't be stupid either. Which means we've got some work to do, right? It's hard stuff. And so we're going we're to try to cover three things out of these short verses this morning. Three things. First, that you're more judgmental than you think you are. So sorry. Um, second, uh, the reason we're so judgmental is because you think you're awesome, but you're really not. So, um, so sorry again. That's, that's where we're going. Um, and third, third, thank God, the solution. We don't, actually, we don't have to be that person anymore. Uh, that there, there is hope here for us. You with me? It's gonna be great, all right? Uh, let, me, let me pray and ask for God's help because boy, do we need it. God, we, um, we are so broken um, that we, and, and we, we admit this to you now, we confess it to you, that we uh, love to find people to point our fingers at, just feel better about ourselves, while at the same time refusing to do something that actually could help that person in embracing who you've called and created us to be. God, we blow it on both sides. Would you forgive us? Would you teach us? God, would you show us what we don't even know in ourselves um, so that we can be the people that you have created us to be, Lord Jesus? <laughs> and thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to give us forgiveness because we need it. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so first, first, you're more judgmental than you think you are. And I realize, right, that's a really judgmental thing for me to say. Um, I, I get that. And yet, Please hear this. Like I'm including myself in this this group. We, you and I, we are way more judgmental than we think we are. We just don't even see it anymore. It's the air we breathe, it's the water we swim in. We're always, always doing it. Look at verse verse one. We're in chapter seven now. And so Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. It's really important for us to note here: the Greek word there for judge, it doesn't refer to like wise accountability or critical thinking. That's, that's not what it's, what it's about. It, it means to condemn. It's, it's to judge with this sort of impulse towards condemnation. He's not talking about wise judgment, being judgmental. So that's kind of, that's kind of the language we're going to use, that judgmentalism or being judgmental, that's what Jesus is addressing here. Not judging or addressing sin and right and wrong with, within our world. And that becomes obvious if you, look, if you look ahead, like down into verse five and six, later on, uh, next week we'll be in uh, verses 15 to 20. Jesus, there, I mean, he shows us like how to judge, right? How do we actually do this? That we can judge without being judgmental, but that it's that judgmental, self-righteous, I'm better than everybody else, or at least better than you, heart. That's what Jesus condemns here. Because here, here's the difference, okay? Being judgmental always involves three things, best as I can figure it. Always involves three things. First, first it goes beyond behavior directly to that person, right? They didn't just do a bad thing. They're a lousy person, right? They're the kind of person that just does those things, right? So it's, it becomes personal immediately. Second, second, it always has a tone of condemnation. Like, you deserve to be judged by me, by God, and by everyone else for what you've done, and I'm kind of going to enjoy it when you get yours, Right? That's, that's the tone that comes with, with being judgmental. But then the third thing, and this is the most important, I think this is the real crime in a judgmental attitude, is that it immediately, as soon as we do those first two things, it immediately puts us in a position of, of power and goodness over them. Right? It's like, that's, that's your problem, but I'm, I am mean, i wouldn't do that. Right? I'm a good person. I mean, it, it, Being judgmental is never about the person that you're, that you're being judgmental towards. It's always about us. It's always about trying to find a way to make ourselves feel a little bit better because if we're not too bad, then maybe we don't even really need a savior, right? Maybe Jesus didn't have to die for me because I'm, I'm one of the good ones. That's, that's the real crime. And this, I mean, this we do all the time, don't we? I don't even think we recognize when we do it. I mean, for, for example, I mean, this really happened. Okay, I'm not making this up. Earlier this week, I think it was Tuesday, I was sitting Uh, writing this section of of the sermon Uh, and somebody came over to me and mentioned how they heard someone's criticism of something else I had written so I stopped writing this (laughs) sermon and I immediately I mean immediately like began to judge the judger for his judgment of me uh, to which Stephen, who was sitting next to me, he's one of, one of our pastors here, uh, said, hey, uh, Nathan, so what are you preaching about on Sunday? Um, like, don't judge me, Stephen, right? I mean, that, that, was, that was his polite way of, of, of doing that there. I mean, this is, this is what we do, isn't it? And just imagine for a moment, just, I mean, pretend with me, right? What if it was all recorded? All of it. I mean, every single time you said, I can't believe they, or they ought to, or he ought to, or she ought to. Or I'd, I'd never. Or every time I say, man, the culture, this, the world, that, this group, them. You know, every, every time we, we said it recorded on a blog somewhere. Ma- imagine if that was, that was true. And not just your words, but every thought. Because, I mean, come on. Every pejorative eye roll on Facebook or when you're watching the debates, right? Um, every, every time... You you allow yourself the pleasure of one of those disdainful laughs. And every glance down from your, your high horse. I mean, essentially, every time you allow yourself to feel good about yourself because of someone else's mess. Recorded, right? For the whole whole world to see. And then what if you were judged according to your own impossible standards? Because you know as well as I do, you can't live up to your standards. I mean, we certainly can't live up to the gods. We can't even live up to our own, right? It sounds like a far-fetched idea. Isn't it just make-believe? What if this all happened? But that's actually really what Jesus is saying, isn't it? He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, every statement, every eye roll, every self-righteous bit of anger, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So however harsh, graceless, arrogant your judgments are, Jesus says that's like just so you know, that's what's that's what's in store for you. Which means, I mean, really, apart from Jesus, we're in deep trouble because not one of us can live up to this. We are way more judgmental than we think. And here's, here's why, and, and even, even why it's so wrong. Um, it's, it's because, it's that, it goes back to that third thing that judgmentalism always is. It's because you, you think you're more awesome than you really are. Um, you, you think, you, right? We, we, we tend to do that. Um, we think we're awesome, but we're really not. We're judgmental because we actually believe that the other person's like lower than us, right? That we, we actually believe that we, we're, we're better than them. I mean, and so and there's no way we can even live up to our own standards. We, we certainly can't live up to God's. And, and maybe, maybe even right, like at this moment, you think, oh, that's not me. I'm not a judgmental person. I mean, live and let live. I would never tell somebody else that they're wrong. In fact, I, I can't even believe that we live in a world in which other people would tell other people how wrong they are, right? Are you done? Are you, can we move on, right? It doesn't matter who you are, your religious background, what you believe, how you grew up. We all have somebody we're better than in our minds. And as long as you can recognize them and condemn them, then I can't be that bad. And even though it hurts, you've got to sort of love the painful, humorous metaphor that Jesus gives here, right? It's a common one. We Probably many of us have heard these words before. Look at what he says in verse three. Why do you see the speck, right? The, the piece of dust or gunk, right? Why do you see that in your brother's eye? But do not even notice the log that is in your own. How can you say to your brother, "Hey, let me take the speck out of your eye," when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do I mean, you see? I mean, obviously, it's it's an exaggeration, but okay. And this maybe it's a little ridiculous, all right? Um, a little a little silly, but like, let's just imagine with me. This is the metaphor, okay? Um, <laughs> So actually, take it it back because it's like it's a speck in somebody else's eye, and you know how much like you get anything in your eye, it drives you crazy, right? You know that it's there. It hurts. It burns. So this this is the metaphor he goes with, and you're like going over, and you're like, hey Ryan, um, I I noticed a speck. Um, How can you how can you live with that, right? I mean, how how can you possibly be? Let let, let me just you know let me, (laughs) right? I mean it's. Again, I know it's silly, but that's the point, right? It's like Jesus is saying, hey, do, do you people realize how silly you are? Like you actually think this is the best way forward. I mean, it, anyway, Jesus, Jesus definitely has a sense of humor in my opinion. Because this is just, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, leader, leadership guru, yeah, you get it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Leadership guru, uh, Patrick Lencioni, if you've read any of his leadership books, they're outstanding. In his, in his book, The Advantage, uh, he talks about, he calls it the, the fundamental attribution error, uh, which is kind of his fancy way of saying like good old-fashioned judgmentalism and how that creeps into every relationship and every situation. Um, but basically what, what, what that is, the fundamental attribution error, it's when we attribute the negative uh, behaviors in a person uh, to their personalities. Like it's, or that, their, it's who they are, Right but we attribute our own negative behaviors to anything else, right? I mean, it's obvious, like for example, right? If somebody cuts me off in traffic, I mean, they're the devil, right? And I wanna shoot them. Um, But if if I cut somebody off in traffic, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm in a hurry, right? Or I didn't mean to, because I was on my phone, so sorry about, you know, but I'm, it's not about who I am, it was just an innocent mistake. Or or here's another one. How many times have you seen, like, um, you know, somebody in the grocery store and, you know, a parent is, is, you know, just maybe a little bit upset with a child, right? Um, Without fail, right, the the moment there, at least before I was a parent, maybe I'd have a little more grace now, Um, probably not, is, oh, man, what an anger problem that person has, right? They need to get that worked out. I mean, when I do the exact same thing, it's because my kids have it coming, right? And they're the worst sometimes, right? And I've just had a rough day, or or if somebody comes into it late for a meeting. It's like they're, they're just so inconsiderate. They don't care. When I'm late, I'm just because I'm so busy and super important, right? Or or if somebody else like caves in to temptation, uh, my my assumption. Well, they're just that's they're that kind of person. That's what they do, right? They're just that lousy. But when I cave into the exact same temptation, well. And it was just a slip up. I didn't, I didn't mean to, it was, you know. You, I mean, do you see how good we are at extending grace to ourselves? I mean, we're pros. It's always grace to me. So much so that we have zero left over for most of anybody else. I mean, it's almost comical. Like later on in verse 12, Jesus, Jesus gives us the golden rule, right? Which is like the lowest bar for morality possible. And yet he's like, you can't even do this, right? He says, whatever, whatever you wish that others would do to you, right so we tell our kids right did you know this came from the bible because right? it's just so basic do do what you want others to do to you it, it's not the, extend the same kind of grace that you want for yourself or extend to yourself it's not it's just like it's not it's really not that complex but to tell you the truth i just want to feel better about myself and it's really helpful to know who all the sinners are so that i can at least stay ahead of them because you see, here, here's the big log. Um, now, as I said, everybody's judgmental, right? All of us, uh, Christian or not. But if you're a Christian and God has spoken into your, into your life, you've, you've experienced Jesus, there's a, there's a different level of accountability here because you know what the log is. The, the log is that apart from Jesus, you would go to hell. And the only reason you're not is because he died for you. End of story. Like my sins, they're that bad. My rebellion against God, it's not a metaphor. I deserve eternal punishment. And the only way the God of the universe could rescue me is by coming to this earth like as a, as a human, right? And dying on a cross, taking all the judgment that I deserve upon himself, suffering that hellish agony and then coming back to life. It's the only way he could possibly save me. And if that's true, how could I, right, having been pardoned while on death row, how could I possibly look down on somebody else? A a judgmental heart cannot live in a sinner saved by grace. This doesn't work. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. If you've met the king, the one one who pursues you and accepts you and loves you purely based on what Jesus has done, and you're a mess, right? And you know it. Maybe a little farther along than other people, but you're still a mess and he accepts you because of Jesus, how can we possibly not offer that love and that grace for, for everybody else, no matter where they're at and what, and what they've done? And because of him, because of what he's done for us, you don't have to be that person anymore. Neither do I. The, the angry, you know, self-righteous, Bible-thumping blind person we once were. Not, not in this kingdom. Not if we've met this king. Um, so what, is, what does this change look like? I mean, how, how do we judge without being judgmental? Because there's a tension here. And we're not, we're not gonna sort of minimize the fact that there's a real tension here. Love and acceptance does not make sin okay. It, it doesn't mean we forget about accountability or about graciously push, pushing people toward a better life. Um, we can't be judgmental, but we can't be stupid either. Let me let me even give an example of this. Um, I'm sure some of you probably probably been to Mexico, maybe toured some of the like the old ruins and stuff. We've we've done some of this, and one of the places we've been is is Uxmal, this ancient city. It's like 2,500 year year old. This Mayan temples and pyramids and all these really fascinating things. And, And we were there, you know, on a on a tour guide, and the tour guide was you know just talking about really fascinating things, right? It was pretty amazing. And, and at one point he was like, well, this is how and where and why and when they would sacrifice humans to, to their gods. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, and, and, and then he kind of went on for a few, few more minutes. It's it sort of impassive, It was a lot of detail, very interesting. Uh, and then it was like, well, and then they would, you know, these plants and animals and different anatomical parts of their worship. And, and I mean, you get it. And, and he, he paused at that moment, not, not at the first moment, but at the second moment, very soberly and said, you know what though? We can't judge them for their religious beliefs. Yeah, I mean, I'm on vacation, right? So I'm like, oh, well, you know. Uh. But I had to do everything within me not to be like, What? I mean, are you you kidding me? They sacrificed innocent. They murdered innocent. Can you imagine? Like, what if we try to do that, right? As a culture, some weird religious call. Hey, we're bringing human sacrifice back. It'll be great. Join us. It's going to be so. I mean, don't judge us, right? Do you, I'm trying, I want to be gracious, but do you see how we've lost our minds as a people? I mean, that we, that we go to these ridiculous extremes. Both of which are absolutely disastrous. I I was telling Patrick this week that this is honestly it's like one of the weirdest sermons I think I've ever preached. Um, Because because I mean, there's often these polar extremes, right? I I mean, it's often the way it works, right? We're either like this or we're like this. But in this case, we're both of them like all the time, terribly. And it seems impossible. Like how do you how do we push each other back when when we we are judgmental all the time to everyone? Self-righteous, angry people we are, but we're so nice, and we don't. I don't want to say anything, and I don't. I'm not actually going to try to involve myself in this situation. And and, I mean, we and we certainly won't let people speak into our lives, right? I mean, truth be told, the reason we like judge not, it's not because we're worried about us judging the other people. It's that we, you know, we don't want them to judge us. That's why we love this command. And so we we. We go back and forth in these two extremes, both of which lead to death, both of which only make things worse, both of which are far from what Jesus calls us to. Sure, don't be judgmental, don't. I mean, Jesus forbids it, but don't be stupid either. We still have to be wise and discerning. There's there's tension here. And so Jesus, I think he shows us three things in these these verses that follow. Um, Three things to help us here. First, this is obvious, right? This is right from the metaphor that Jesus just said, right? First, you got to deal with your own plank, right? Get the board out. Look at your own blind spots first. And this, this doesn't mean that we have to be perfect before we can involve ourselves in somebody else's life, but it does mean you better be doing some serious work on your two by four before you freak out about somebody else's speck, because we are good at freaking out. You turn on the news, open the paper hear that story, and we quickly, you know, we run, run to this, and this is an important book. This is, this is what we build our lives on, but we use it as, as this sort of cruel weapon to make ourselves feel better, because we're, we're the good people. have got to deal with our own stuff first. I mean, when you see sin in another person or another group or whatever it is, before you lash out, always look in. Because I... This might, this might be a risky bet, but I think it's a good one. I would bet you um, that whatever sin it is that you're so angry about or that you feel so good about yourself, and there's, there's in some way, shape, or form, that same sin lives in you somewhere. Yeah, You might, you might be pushing it aside. You might, it might show up in different ways. But who are you trying to kid, right? It's there, isn't it? First, take the log out of your own eye. And really the tricky part with blind spots is that they're blind spots. You can't see them on your own. And so you you need an outside voice, an outside authority speaking in. And there's two ways that that happens. One is through God's word. Um, The Bible ought to work like a spotlight into our lives. And our assumption every time we open the Bible, right, every single time, is that if there's a disagreement between me and it, I'm the one who's wrong. And we submit our lives there. And then second, we also need people speaking in, right? Because they're not going to be blind in the same ways that I am, and so they're going to see things in me that I'm not going to see. And so you need, you need a church community. You need a you need a, a small group of people, like a community group. You need those. Even to just say to them, Hey, would you please, if you see a speck, if you see a log, please help me, show me, and and let me let me return the favor in your life. It's going to hurt. Um, but who, who have you asked to help you in this? Now, second thing, and who are you helping, right? Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, working on your own two-by-fours and specs, again, not perfect, but working on them, then we're obligated to humbly help those we can help. And I, and I realize this is, this is so hard, isn't it? And we've blown it. As Christians, we need way more humility and grace and forgiveness, then we often come to these situations. Absolutely we do. But at the same time, we've got to remember, it's not judgmental to want the best for someone. It's not judgmental to, to long for their flourishing or to, to graciously, humbly, lovingly nudge them toward, toward wholeness. I mean, th- think of it this way. If you, if you saw someone stepping into traffic, I mean, would not be judgmental to reach out and pull them back? Um, it's happened to me once. I think I've told this story before. Um, Kelly and I were dating uh, in downtown Chicago, and she, like, just, bless her heart, stepped right out in front of a city bus. And I was just behind her, and so I just, you know, did this, and yanked her back really hard, and it hurt. Um, and you can imagine, right, in that moment, she looked up at me and was like, how dare you? Right? Don't judge me. If I want to step in... Of course not. She married me, right? I mean, how else do you think I made that happen? She's still repaying her debt to me, right? (laughs) And yet somehow, somehow we think sin is less dangerous. Sin leads to hell. But I just, I can't confront, right? I just want to love them. I love them. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is help somebody not self destruct, not choose a path that only leads towards pain and heartache. Just be careful when you do it. We, we run in like a bull in a china shop, right? Waving our good works and our perfect attitude and our little Bibles, and we just smash everything in sight. We so easily do more harm than good. Don't, don't be paralyzed by that, but we've got to do better. Push ourselves t- towards better. And, and part of that is having the right posture. We, we can never come to somebody as someone who's better or smarter, right? That, and that's how we tend to do it, right? I'm better than you because I don't do this thing. I'm smarter because I figured it out or because I've, you know, I've made this decision based on, on God's word. I'm, I'm better and I'm smarter, and that just doesn't work. You and I, we have one identity stamp anymore if you're a Christian, there's only one thing that defines, us. only one thing that we can call ourselves. It's a sinner saved by grace, period. That's, that's who we are. None, none of those other things count anymore. None of those other descriptors of, that's, our core identity is that Jesus loves us anyway. That he died on the cross to offer us life and forgiveness and we are in desperate and constant need of his mercy. That's gotta be our posture. And then, and then when you confront, make sure you understand the goal. You got, you got to know what your goal is because, you know, for some of us, it's to feel superior, right? Or to, to be right. I just, want to be, I just want to be right, you know, in this person's life. For others, it's, um, it's shame. We want, we want to make them feel bad. Um, revenge, because we're angry at them. Um, sometimes it's envy. This one gets me in trouble occasionally. Sometimes I just don't like other people's sins because I kind of wish I could do that. But don't, but don't, right? None of that's helpful, in case you were wondering. The posture, uh, the goal is always... Uh, it's always the good of the other person. Restoration, repentance, and ultimately joy. It's not about you. It can't be. If it's about you, then you need to step back. It's gotta be about the other person and showing them love and showing them the best way to live. Help those you can help. Um, But you know, there's something implicit in that statement. Maybe you've picked up on it already. Help those you can help. Um, Implicit there is this third thing. You can't help everybody. Um, And we have to let people make their own decisions. This is also really hard for us, but it's part of judging without being judgmental. You can't help everyone, and you've got to be okay with that. And you have to be able to discern when your help is going to cause more pain or more trouble than good, right? I mean, I think that's what the, that fairly awkward and frankly harsh verse six is about, right? If you catch it at the end, it's kind of the one that's like, what, what is that doing here? Jesus says, do not give dogs what is holy, And do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And this is harsh. There's no no way around it, right? Dogs and pigs, those aren't aren't compliments, right? You see, Jesus understands that in our attempts to help, there are times when we're gonna be trampled and attacked and he is saying that there's a time when it's okay to walk away. Not to to give up hope, but to trust that that person to God. And, And for some of us, The reason we seem so judgmental is because we just don't know when to quit. We we don't recognize the fact that there comes a point when you just, again, you don't give up hope for that person, but you just say, okay, God, you're gonna, you have to do this. I can't be the savior, right? Hidden behind a lot of this for some of us is is a savior complex, isn't it? We end up being like a, a parent who relentlessly tries to reshape their adult kids. Some of you have tried that, right? How's that work? It's painful. You've got to remind yourself in, in, in this area, you're not the one on trial in this. Even if you mean well, you just, you can't force it. One of the core doctrines of Christianity is the dignity of every person, which includes, right, the person's right to make their own decisions, even bad ones. God gives us that, that right. And we're not more righteous than God is. And there comes a point when we make pe- let people make their choices um, before, <laughs> before we make it worse. Okay, and so yes, this is an odd tension we live in, isn't it? I mean, don't you agree, isn't it weird? It's like these two extremes, and yet we both live happily, disastrously in both of them. Maybe you lean a little bit more one way or the other, but man, we're, we're terrible at this. But you know, I'm so thankful. There is one person who actually lived this out. I mean, who truly lived a non-judgmental life, even, even though he was the only person who had every right to be judgmental. But even Jesus said in John chapter three, he says, I, I came uh, not to condemn the world. That's that idea of judgment, but to save the world. That he, he comes to take the judgment I deserve upon, him, upon himself so that we can be spared, so that we can be offered forgiveness and wholeness and, and life that, that he, I mean, truly the one without even a speck in his eye, graciously offers to take the logs out of ours. You know, wood that it would essentially be used for a cross as he's, he's nailed to our sins and you and I if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus you have been freed from condemnation there is no condemnation left for you and if that's true of you then we are free to no longer condemn others friends Jesus is the judge that we need let's pray God we need your help I need your help. I... There are so many ways in which we get this wrong. And even, even now, I'm, I'm fearful that there are those here who heard only one thing or the other and are, are confirmed um, in the disaster in which it will ensue. God, I pray that we would all hear both and that we would seek to help one another, to care for one another, to call each other out um, when that is actually a helpful thing. But God, to resist the urge of casting judgment in ways that only build us up and tear them down. Show us the ways we do it. Because God, I'm convinced there's probably a lot of ways I don't, even, I don't even have a clue about. Show us so that we may repent. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you took all the judgment, all the condemnation that, that God had on us for our sins, rightfully deserved on us, but you took it upon yourself. So now we lived, live not simply as your slaves or your subjects, but as sons and daughters in your kingdom. So Lord Jesus, we worship you because what, what else can we do? Be with us now, we pray.